Wagwan. It's your old chuckle buddy. Yes, you. Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent August 7th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoes shined up, boy. Boy, Ooh, I'm gonna run you ragged, boy. Gonna make you sweat. Gonna make you earn every drop today, boy. Boy, fetch my riding crop, boy. I'm Yosemite Sam, the most rootinest, tootinest, shootinest villain in the whole wild west. Ah. Well, what 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 does what does Yosemite Sam say? He goes uh. Ah, you filthy varmint. I'm going to make you suck my dick today, you filthy varmint. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 18 years of experience. Diploma in theater arts. At a very exciting time for me at the moment. I'm a year away from a deadline which could potentially change the game as we know it here on Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. Change the game of uh, what I'm doing in my acting career. Uh, I have a background in theater performing, so I've done a lot of theater. I've done a little bit of independent film. And going forward with some of my goals, I got a little opportunity. Uh, I got many opportunities, but one that I have my sights set on at the moment is creeping up in a year, in a year's time. And... uh, Within the past few months, I've been putting thought into this opportunity. I've been putting money aside for this opportunity. And at the moment, it kind of looks like the avenue that I want to take. And, um, you know, to fully prepare for this opportunity, um, I just got to keep on my grind, you know, keep on with the podcast, keep on trying to keep myself busy as an actor, keep my body in shape. That's important as an actor. Um, You know, maybe step it up online a little bit. Some online content in the vein of video. You know, do something like that. Why not? And uh, make the most of this time in the next year. Very excited. Don't want to speak too much on it because I'm not 100% sold on the idea. But I am a man with a plan. And uh, it feels good. And I'm just trying to keep it real, trying to keep feeding what it uh, means to be an artist. I think back to some of my earlier days, too, in the uh, acting racket. And uh, like I mentioned, Diploma in Theater Arts, did a lot of theater, striding on the boards. Oh, that this too-too solid flesh would melt, thaw, and resolve itself into a milky dew, you know? Slaying in that Shakespeare angle, um, you know, talking guff, dressing up like a puppy dog. <laughs> they dressed me up like a dog, and I was like rolling around and performing for children at a library. Bow, wow, wow, and woof, 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 and this is how I talk. <laughs> you know, I played a dog, you know, in a kid's play, um... You know, used to show up drunk to little independent films. That's neither here nor there, but it's on my resume. So, like, that's what I'm saying, right? All these different experiences. And one of the experiences I had back in the day was um, I went to a networking event. Now, a networking event is, um, you know, pretty straight, pretty straightforward if you're not a dumbass. You know what networking is, right? When you go and you kiss people's asses. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Did you try the tapenade? Oh, oh, oh. Is that a cheese platter? Oh, and you're eating cheese platters and talking to retards you never want to talk to in your fucking life only to kiss their ass and try to get into their back pocket. You know, networking. So I'm at this networking festival, right? And this is for, like, um, film makers, right? So basically, sorry, that was my chair squeaking. Uh, basically, you know, it's a 45, it was a $45, something like that, $45. It was under $100, so I don't remember what the exact price was. 
Could have been 25, could have been 45, could have been 75. I don't really remember the price. I think it was 45. So it was like $45 entrance fee to this networking event. And there's like, you know, thousands. There was like at least a thousand people who entered. And then you go into this big, uh, I guess like a conference hall. And there's all these different um, film companies with their little booths set up. So as a filmmaker, like myself at the time, I had written a feature-length screenplay. I had written a screenplay that I was trying to turn into a movie. So I, myself, and all the other participants, you would go around and you would try to network, talk with all these different production companies, try to pitch your idea. It was a good experience, but, you know, unfortunately, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, what do you want to call it? The underbelly of the performing uh, world, you know? There's not many outstretched hands to help, but there's a lot of outstretched, outstretched hands for, um, you know, payment, you know, like, I feel like it was somewhat of a scam. All these little production companies were like low-level, um, you know, reality TV production companies, you know, like Home and Garden and Home Renovation and just these cheesy, trashy television channels that nobody fucking watched. There was no real industry there. So, you know, they're taking $45 off of all the entrance uh, participants, right? So like $45 times 1,000, what is that? $45,000. And, you know, for what? To walk into a room and, you know, talk to some idiot who's never going to produce your film? Doesn't even have the power or the connection or the finance or the interest? I remember once I was trying to pitch... During that festival, I was trying to pitch an idea to this film company, right? I'm talking to this guy. He's staring off into space, blank, glum look on his fucking face, you know? Fucking beady eyes, glum, sunken chin, you know? Staring off into space. I'm like, wow, man, you got a hell of a bedside manner. You got one hell of a bedside manner, buddy. What's your fucking deal? I pay hard-earned money to come here, meet people, network pe- with people. I'm excited. I'm pouring my heart and soul onto this fucking table, and you're staring at me like, you know, you just got sedated with a fucking, I don't know, Xanax or something. You got one hell of a bedside manner, bud. And I don't even know if Xanax uh, sedates you, but you know what I'm saying. This guy looked like he just came out of a pharmacy, just drooling off into space. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? You got one hell of a bedside manner, buddy. Right? Sure, take my money, but don't take anything else, right? My insight, my interest, my enthusiasm, don't take any of that, but take my money. So there's a whole industry created around that. You'll see it out there, man. Um, whenever somebody's offering something in the entertainment world, like when you go onto YouTube and you see all these, um, you know, studio, you know, it's like, you, you ever see that where it's like, um, making beats from home is as easy as one, two, three, y'all. Don't you want to get into the hip-hop game, kid? Yo, you got to step your game up a notch, kid. Get yourself this program. It's going to make dropping beats easy as one, two, three. And they're like making these stupid little fucking um, uh, commercial infomercials. They're out for your money. They're like, okay, I can ensnare some idiot to spend X amount of dollars on this software, you know, with the allure that, oh, it's as easy as one, two, three to create music. Any fucking old idiot can do it. And then once you do that, then you can be famous. They really prey on people's stupidity and they don't give a fuck. They're vultures. It's the world in general. You see it in any business, really. And um, you just have to have your eyes open. Because, um, again, I don't want to negate that or relegate that to the entertainment industry. I mean, for example, it happens in sports. I remember one time I was working on a construction site, and I was talking with this dude. And um, he, had a, he had apparently played high-level soccer, football. 
as you fucking Eurotards would call it, football. So um, he had played a high level of football, and um, at some point he had an injury, he had to move on with his career, it just wasn't happening. So he, he got involved with a, um, like a soccer camp, a soccer camp that, um, I guess, teaches kids, you know, high-level soccer. So it was, it was kind of like a soccer training camp, kind of prestigious, air quotes. I'm on a podcast here, you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes. It was prestigious. And um, basically, it was all these ex-semi-pro footballers blowing smoke up the ass of the parents. <gasps> your kid's the next, your kid's the next, your kid's the next uh, Benjamin Beckham. What's that idiot's name? Benjamin Beckham? Edward Beckham? Walter Beckham, what's that fucking swarmy blonde, real cute, sexy, you're not a cute guy, right, tattooed up, real hunk, stud muffin, what's his name, Chester, Chester Beckenfield, what, Connor Beckenfield, um, Beckham, Shanghai Beckham, what's that fucking idiot's name, you know, sexy puss, the one who married the Spice Girl, Dapper Dan there? What is his fucking name? Something Beckham. Bet it like Beckham. Whatever, Beckham. You know? Um, you know, your kid's the next bet your kid's the next Beckham. Yeah, I could see him in an underwear ad. He's real cute. And you know, he can play football like the best of them. Yeah, come over here and um we'll teach you how to play soccer. So they bilk all these fucking desperate parents out of money for their kids to go play soccer when it's just smoke up their ass. They're no better than any other fucking seven-year-old playing soccer. You know? They're preying on these people's desires. It's a... And there's an industry like that in every industry. You know? Falsehoods. Lies. You know? We'll tell you whatever you want. Come over here. We'll make your dreams come true. You see that in every industry. Um... You see that in security, for example. Um, Before I got into, um, not before I got into, but on my journey of manhood, I've worked all sorts of different jobs. And I remember one time they were taking me, there was an ad in the paper for security. Become a security officer. We're hiring. $17 an hour. Come down to this location. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go down to the location. I'm like, hey, I'm here for this $17 an hour security job. That sounds great. No problem, buddy. But first, you got to sign up for this, and we've got to pay into this, and a down deposit for this. And just for $300, for two easy payments of $300, you too can become a security officer. It's like, wow. You're just trying to sell people a dream. So that's what I'm trying to say that networking event was. And um, David Beckham. How could I forget David Beckham? I saw him play once, actually. He was taking a corner kick at Rogers Center. He was taking a corner kick, uh, the LA Galaxy. Somebody took me to a game. So I see David Beckham, right? I'm like, I'm a, I'm a fucking um, stone's throw from David Beckham, right? I could have, like, you know, I could have, like, whistled in his ear, right? So, of course, like everybody, I just started screaming expletives at him. Hey, you stupid British cunt, fuck you. Yeah, you, you fucking blighter, fuck you. Why don't you go eat some eggs and chips, you fucking idiot? I'm just screaming at him. You look like a fucking, I don't know. You know how it is. People are jealous. He was a real handsome man. Still is. Don't they get better with age? That's what some women say. Anyways, David Beckham. But the point is, there's these industries where people just prey on your, um, every industry. That's life. I'm a cynic. And uh, the definition of cynicism is the belief the belief that people are motivated by self-interest. So you got to keep your eyes open in this world because people, you know, they're motivated by self-interest, unfortunately. Not the only thing, not everybody, but um, it's an unfortunate side effect of life. So, um, yeah. But the networking event that I went to at that time, it wasn't all for naught. It taught me, you know, Ambition, you know, it taught me the benefits of ambition. You got to be ambitious. You got to play to win. How do you know what something is until you check it out, right? So 
It fed my ambition. It gave me the opportunity to, you know, pitching a script, pitching your idea, trying to sell your idea. That's an art form. It takes a lifetime to master the confidence and the rhythms of, well, it could take, you know, you can do it in two easy steps, according to some idiots on YouTube. Hey, you want to learn how to sell $10 million a stock in five minutes? I'll teach you how to be a multimillionaire in two minutes. Hey, check out my YouTube page, governor. You know, people are out there talking like as if it's an easy thing to rope people into your line of thinking. A manipulator would say that, I guess. Maybe it is easy if you're a master manipulator. But it does take time to be able to cultivate your ideas and pitch your ideas to people. So that's one of the benefits I got from that networking event. And water off a duck's ass. Here I am, 18 years in the game. Going forward, excited about some future opportunities. Happy hallelujah. I am also an alcoholic. Oh, yes, I am. Two years, eight months of sobriety. If you should need sobriety in your life, ladies and gentlemen, please give it a shot. What I did was I got involved with a 12-step program. That's nothing official. It's just a meeting place for people to get together to discuss sobriety, practice various steps, plans of action regarding sobriety, and day by day, those days add up, and then one day, you'll find yourself in a new day. The sun will be shining, the birds will be chirping, you'll wake up, Fresh, yawn, <gasps> get out of bed. Holy shit, I got money. Because that's the most important thing to get out of the bed for, right? Holy shit, I got money. I'm awake. I don't got no hangover. I feel good. I got plans for the day. My friends and family want to see me. Holy shit, I'm a, I got a life. Wow. There's things that I can do other than just get blackout drunk and high all the time. Hmm. Yeah, remember how I used to do that? Yeah, I think I'd like to try doing that again. Wasn't that fun when I used to do that? Oh, yeah, remember that person? Whatever happened to them? I wouldn't mind getting back in touch with them. I'll give them a call. Whatever. It's been a while. All of a sudden, your life will come back to you. And it's well worth it. You're reinvesting in yourself in a positive way for the first time in a long time. And I highly recommend it to anybody. And um, if the 12-step thing seems too heavy for you, I understand. It's what worked for me. I tried so many various routes until I came into um, recovery, sobriety rooms. I tried white-knuckling it, cold turkey, doing it on my own, reading self-help books. I even turned to Dr. Phil in my loneliest hour. I'd rush home from work, crack open a beer. (laughs) Dr. Phil, save me. And I'd turn on Dr. Phil, right? And he'd be like, your fucking problem is, is that you don't know how to take accountability. I'm telling you something, you got a problem with reality. And I'd just be like sobbing on the sofa, drinking a beer. <laughs> You're right, Dr. Phil, I'm a fucking idiot. I'm so stupid. I'm so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. <laughs> Why do you treat me like this? Why do you treat me like this? <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck your mother! Your mother's cunt, your mother's cunt! Oh, I'm so stupid! (laughs) Drinking a beer on the couch, crying like Robert De Niro in The Raging Bull, you know? It's not easy getting sober on your own. So why not reach out to a network of people doing the same thing you're doing? Come out of the shadows, you know? You are not alone. Ugh. I don't like the way those words left my lips. I don't know what to think of poor old MJ these days. That's a whole other story. But anyways, that's what's going on. And uh, I feel very grateful, blessed, and happy hallelujah to be living a sober life. You know, Yesterday I was staring out of my window. And uh, I noticed this drunk, these two drunks, fighting. I couldn't really hear what they were saying, but they were just yelling at each other, right? This one drunk, he's yelling, Man, fuck you, you know, what's in the bag? What's in the bag? And the other, the other drunk's like, there's no beer left in the bag, man. Like, what the fuck? I told you, there's no more beer left. 
He's like, ah, fuck you, it's in the bag. And the drunk, he one drunk, he lunges at the other drunk and he grabs the guy's bag and tries to pull the guy's bag open because he thinks there's beer in the bag. The other drunk pulls his bag away and he goes, there's nothing in the bag, there's nothing in the bag. Pulls the bag away, knocks the other drunk over. The other drunk falls on the ground, you know. The other drunk goes, you stupid goof, I told you there's no beer. And he walks off. And I was just looking at that pathetic scene like, holy shit. But for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. I got, you know, like, it's easy to look at people who are that low and call them pathetic, you know. Arguing over beer in public, drunk in public, falling over in public. Somebody had to wind up calling that drunk an ambulance and he put on a big show and a big spectacle and they put him into a stretcher because he think he like I guess he hurt his leg, right? I think he was just drunk trying to get a free ride downtown. To be honest with you, he probably just wanted a free ride back to, you know, St. Mike's Hospital downtown Toronto. He probably just wanted a free ride in an ambulance. Like he he wasn't injured where he had to go to the hospital. I saw the whole thing, right? And that's just like the deluded mind of a drunk, you know, and it was just pathetic all around, you know. At one moment, the guy who got in the ambulance, he's, you know, he's screaming at the other dude, fuck you, buddy, what's in the bag? Trying to grab the guy's bag. Then he gets knocked over. Then he gets slapped for acting like an idiot. Now, all of a sudden, he wants to cry baby. Cry, baby. Uh, oh, oh, poor me, poor me. I need an ambulance. Uh. And, I mean, it's like the, the, the boy who cried wolf, you know? It's like you see all that stupidity. You have no sympathy. You have no belief in them. You know, like, the man's obviously getting into an ambulance, so something could potentially be wrong with him. But I saw the whole incident, and that's the life of a drunk. You just write him off as a stupid drunk. Oh, he's just playing his stupid drunk shenanigans. You don't believe a damn word they say. And it's only through the grace of God that I didn't go that far down. I did low things. I got low. I I was a shell of myself. I did shitty things, you know. I never fucked anybody over. I wasn't a complete piece of garbage, but I was pathetic and definitely low life, you know? And, you know, that's the danger you run when you start judging people. And it's only by the grace of God. Because I remember one time when I was out there drinking, I was working a lot of low-level jobs. And around me were other people who were older, older alcoholics, working the same shitty day laborer, cash in hand kind of jobs. And I remember just looking at these dudes and thinking, you know, the only difference between me and them is time. You know, it's like I'm younger than them, so I can look at them and laugh and go, oh, look at these losers, you know, 55-year-old man, drunk every day, working for, you know, $10 an hour, whatever the fuck it was back then. And it's like, well, the only difference between me and them is time. If I keep on this path, I'm going to end up just like them. So, but for the grace of God, here I am today, two years, eight months sober. It's about time you guys gave me a fucking round of applause. What do you think I was trying to fucking hint at? Hello, I'm better than you. So here I am, two years, eight months sober. Happy hallelujah. Go out and get it. I am also a janitor. Yes, I am. You know, urinals, toilets, you know, uh, garbage cans, dust bins, brooms, mops, uh, scrubbing towels, you know. These are things that I use, the tools of my trade. And, uh, I'm grateful for it. It facilitates two things in my life. Several things, really, but... It facilitates, number one, um, I have to have an income, right? I'm like everybody. i got to feed myself, clothe myself, X, Y, and Z. Number two, idle hands are the devil's playground. So when you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, twiddly D, unfocused, that's when all the negativity... 
the bad thoughts, the, the dummy mentality creeps in, you start making bad choices, right? So it keeps me focused throughout the day to earn money, to pay for my overhead, which keeps me in the game of acting, performing, because you need a foundation. You need a home to go home to and rest at night. You need to be able to cover expenses. You know, perhaps you want to upgrade your education. Perhaps you want to upgrade your equipment for creating content, camera, microphone, X, Y, and Z. Perhaps you want to take a class. Perhaps you want to travel somewhere for an opportunity for, you know, performing. You know, you need to be able to, uh, like anything, have resources to further what you're doing. So I'm very grateful in that regard. And um, it's not too much of a nonsense. It doesn't get into my head so far. There's a lot of things about the job that I don't like, to be honest. And it's obviously not my dream job. Um, And I actually told myself when I took the job, uh, I've been full-time janitor now for, uh, you know, like three or four months. And uh, I told myself, you're basically in jail. Like, I consider myself on a very um, hyperbolic, uh, exaggerated way. I consider myself in jail. Now, I've never been to jail. I don't know what it's like. But I consider myself in jail in that I'm not quite free. You know, Monday to Friday, 7.30 to 3.30, I am in a place where I don't necessarily want to be. I don't want to go to this job. I don't want to see these people. Most of the people. You know what I mean? Like the office-dwelling douchebags. I don't want to see any of those idiots. I don't want to fucking be there. I don't want to be scrubbing a toilet, obviously. I have an education. I have passion, drive, experience. Why am I doing this stupid fucking job? But you know what? It's my cross to bear. It gives me a paycheck. It furthers my performing journey. And I have to have gratitude for it. Because, as I mentioned, all the little setbacks I had in my life, I could be doing nothing right now. I could be in jail for real right now. That's the trajectory of the alcoholic. Shit just keeps getting worse and worse and worse until you find yourself in a fucked up position. So, or dead, you know? So, whatever. I try not to think too much about it. Uh, And I'll wrap it up on that. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes, I am. Ten years of experience. Um, Very hopeful for the future as well. Um, I'm at a point right now where I'm trying to make my own luck, you know? There's no point in trying to ride other people's coattails in this day and age. Um, You got to do it for yourself. And what I'm being shown is that audiences find me funny, but the industry has their own agenda, right? The industry will pick and choose who they want to pick and choose to. Usually clubs, it's hard to, it's hard to get people to vouch for you. Because number one, you don't blatantly ask them to. You hope that they will. You hope that people will turn around and be like, oh yeah, you, we've seen you around, you're funny. Yeah, you. Well, you can be wishing and hoping and doting and praying your whole fucking career and nothing could happen. So that's what I mean. I ain't trying to depend on nothing or nobody. I'm just trying to follow the laughter, you know, keep the audience engaged, keep a connection with the audience and do for myself. So all I can say is my experience speaks for itself and I just got to keep rocking that. I don't know else to put it. Don't want to get too negative Nelly, you know what I mean? Because um, it just winds up sounding 
small and petty. So, there you have it. So that sums me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor, alcoholic, janitor, stand-up comedian. So, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's been like a pretty good come down from the long weekend. You know what I mean? I had a pretty good long weekend. Uh, it was Simico Day, Simco Day in Ontario, Canada. And, uh, you know, what a beautiful day it was this past Monday. Blah, blah, blah. Um, what did I do? I worked out a lot this past weekend. Felt good trying to keep my body going. Um, played bass guitar, which is my hobby. Played a little bass guitar. Made a frittata. Do you guys like frittatas? You know? You take a big bowl and you mix up some eggs, some cheese, some vegetables. If you like meat, I'm a pescatarian. I only eat fish and eggs, so I don't eat any meat per se. So, But if you want to make a frittata with a couple slices of ham or whatever. I had a dream that I ate a ham sandwich last night. It was disgusting. I felt horrible. Thank God it was just a dream. I woke up. I'm like, <gasps> did I just eat a fucking, you know, turkey club? Like, what the fuck? <clears throat> But like, you know, anyway, you can put meat into a frittata if you want to. You don't have to. It's up to you. It's your frittata. So anyways, I made a frittata. Very exciting weekend. Um, you know, but a lot of uh, violence this weekend. It was a weekend of violence, sadly, you know, um, I don't know what the cure is, you know, like, you take a look at the newspaper, and the most recent thing is this Walmart shooting in El Paso, Texas. What is the death count? It seems to keep going up. It was like 20 at one point. Now I think it's 31. I'm not sure exactly. I can't even bring myself to look up at the statistics. It's an ugly thing. You don't really want to have to face it. You don't really want to think about it too much. So it was the mass shooting in um, El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, another mass shooting, nine people dead. Ontario, Canada, Toronto, there's a crime wave, bunch of shootings, luckily no fatalities, but over the weekend, this Simcoe Day holiday weekend, let me take a look at my phone here, yes, there were, um, what is the numbers? Yes, here we go. The gun violence in Toronto during the civic holiday weekend that saw 17 people shot during 14 separate incidents is heartbreaking, Mayor John Tory said. Yeah, so 17 people were shot in 14 different incidents incidents in the GTA, mass shootings in our neighbor America, always mass shootings in America, and in a Walmart, well, at least they're getting the venue right, you know what I mean, at the very fucking least, because like they used to shoot up schools and mosques and cathedrals, Children's daycares, you know, at least they get in the venue, right? They've shifted to Walmart. Oh, my God. But I know, I know. And not I, what do I know? I don't know anything. But what goes to a person's mind to want to take another life? It's beyond me. It's the ultimate ego. Who are you to claim somebody else's life? Who are you? And... I understand if these people are upset, they feel marginalized, they feel uncared for, they feel like lashing out. These are very normal human emotions but and feelings. But when you go to a level in which you're going to strike out at random strangers with violence, I wish these people could have the insight to see that not even the insight that sounds arrogant. I wish these people would have the 
inner dialogue with themselves and ask, is this what you really want? To inflict all this pain and eventually you're going to die. I mean, that's what's going to happen. You, you're going to get into a gunfight with the police. They're going to either shoot you dead or subdue you. And then you're going to spend eternity in jail. Why? Why this pointless violence? I'm thinking they should do like a make-a-wish campaign for these idiots. Because they obviously want attention and fame for no fucking reason, right? That's one thing some of these FBI profilers, these crime statistic analysts say. Serial killers, mass killers, they really, um, they really are motivated in part by the fame. The newsline, newspaper headline, you know? Oh, so-and-so killed so-and-so people. Oh, wow. And now they're famous. Well, maybe if we started a program where, like, it's like, oh, the mass shooter hotline. You know, you can call up the mass shooter hotline. You know, you're feeling kind of low. Hi, um, I'm a mass shooter. Thinking about shooting people. And then you could be like, oh, okay, well, we'll pair you up with your favorite sports hero. So there, there this fucking person is hanging out with fucking, um, you know, LeBron James or something, right? Hanging out with King James. And, uh, you know, then they could be famous for no fucking reason. Isn't that basically what these idiots want? Take a selfie with, like, you know, Nicole Kidman. Oh, look at me. Ching, ching. Thank you, Make-A-Wish Mass Shooter Foundation. <laughs> they just want fame for no fucking reason. Attention for no reason. To show the world how much in pain they are and have, their, have themselves be taken seriously for once in their pathetic lives. And it's such an ugly ego thing because it, the reality is nobody cares about anybody. And generally speaking, we care for ourselves. We're a cynical group of people. Everybody. It's a cynical world. We're out for ourselves. What do you care what your neighbor's doing? If, as long as it's not encroaching upon you, what do you really care? It's only when, they're, when they seem to be getting ahead. That's when people care. Hey, how come they're doing well? How come they're happy? Let me go poke my nose around and see what's going on there. Hmm. But if they're doing terrible, you wouldn't care, right? You wouldn't care if your neighbor was going through problems. What, you're going to go talk to them? Give them advice? Help? Help a lending hand? God forbid you help somebody, right? We don't care about each other. It's only when we're jealous of each other is when we seem to care. When you want to take away from somebody. Or make somebody feel as shitty as you feel. That's when all of a sudden you care about somebody. So. And again, that's just my cynicism coming out. Obviously, we live in a world where people care. I was looking at these paramedics. Like, for example, the paramedic I told you about earlier with that drunk. They carted, when they lugged him off to the hospital. Or all the first responders during these mass shootings and all these gun violence in Toronto. Man, that's... That's people caring on a whole other level. You know, it's people really standing up for each other. So there is the hope and there is the love of your everyday man and women and children and transgenders. There's the everyday love of people. And don't want to overlook that, don't want to override that. But that's my little spiel on mass killers. Mass shooters, mass shootings. What an ugly look. I don't know. Well, one of the biggest questions in the gun reform thing in um, Ontario, or sorry, in America, is obviously the accessibility of assault rifles. Like, okay, sure, what is it? The Second Amendment? The First Amendment? What is it? The amendment where you get a hold of a gun. It's either the First or the Second Amendment, right? So. I think it's the Second Amendment, whatever. To have a gun. Okay, whatever. You want a six-shooter? You want to walk around like Wild Bill? Sure. But like, what's with these assault rifles? You, you can mow down a crowd of people in like 10 seconds flat. You know, like Bugsy Siegel or something. See? You know, like, what's with this crime wave? This uh, crime utensil. It's a, it's, a, it's a fucking crime utensil, an assault weapon. What the fuck else? Why do you need an assault ref weapon? 
You know, you don't go hunting with assault weapons. You use a rifle, right? Assault weapons are used for war, for mass killings. Why make assault weapons possible? Well, it's because of my constitutional right. Okay. You're made up right, just like everything else is made up in this universe. It's all made up. Everything is made up. There's no such thing as an economy. It's made up. Why do blueberries cost $2 a pound, yet bananas cost 50 cents a pound? You can call it economics, or you could just call it made up. It's just fucking made up. Why do a pair of Nikes cost $170? I don't know, because some stupid idiot's willing to pay for it. It's just made up. Why does anything happen? Because we make it up. So, when it comes to your Second Amendment rights, your gun rights, them too are made up. Who gives a fuck? Some stupid idiot in a wig 150 years ago said you should have a gun? So what, now you want to put that over the price of children's lives? Ugh. Let's see what real amendment this is. Amendment. Gun amendment. Second amendment. Second amendment. Second amendment. The Second Amendment to the United States Constitution protects the individual right to keep and bear arms. Yeah, okay, the Second Amendment. Who gives a fuck? It doesn't mean anything. It's just made up. Some asshole writ it. That's all it means. Some asshole writ it. You know, there's a little poem that I writ for you, girl. Some idiot wrote it. Who gives a fuck? It doesn't mean anything. Chop it up. No more assault rifles, dumbass. Well, what if the military invades us? What if our government implodes and tries to take us over? They're going to do it anyway. They have nuclear weapons. So now what? Do I have the right to bear a nuclear weapon? Keep it caged up in my basement? Someone's poking around my back door? Don't make me go get the nuke, boy! (laughs) Retarded. Anyway. Too much gun violence. No more... Say no no to gun violence. If you have any... um, Opinions on that, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know, hit me up, send me an email, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Um, something else that was in the news um, this past weekend that creeped me the fuck out. Gave me the fucking willies. Check this out. I don't even want to look at it. Got this newspaper here. So this is from the Sun, Toronto Sun newspaper, Saturday, August 3rd, 2019. Uh, <clears throat> Docs extract 526 teeth from boy. Ew! 526 teeth? Chinea. I don't even know where that is. Chinea, Chinea. Indian doctors remove a tumor with a record number of 526 teeth inside a 7-year-old boy's mouth, the medical team in southern city of Chennai said on Friday. The 7-ounce growth was lodged in the boy's lower right jaw, uh, where the operation was performed. He had come, uh, he had come to us complaining about a swelling in the jaw. The boy had a history of swelling since he was three. It was a benign tumor, which we removed and found it was embedded with hundreds of unerupted teeth. A tumor with with unerupted teeth is typically a genetic condition that can also be, in some cases, caused by external factors, such as trauma to a tooth. Uh, the boy recovered very well and was discharged in three days. The only thing that saves me from feeling too creeped out by this is like you see the picture of the kid. And he's a cute little kid, right? Just a little seven-year-old boy. Cute little seven-year-old kid, whatever. But like, oh my God. Like 526 teeth. That shit gives me the fucking willies. And there's like a picture of it too, right? Like they look like little beads of rice. Ugh. That shit just gives me the fucking willies, man. Like... You know, like, you ever see those television shows where it's, like, um, one twin 
you know, like there's there's this person, right? They're living their life like normal. And sometime in their 30s, they're like, oh, my stomach feels a little weird. Oh, doc, something's wrong with my stomach. So they go to the doctor and the doctor like does like a scan and they're like, wait a minute. There seems to be some kind of unerupted growth in your chest cavity. Let us take a closer look. So they slice the person open and they find that they had a twin. And when their little embryo was like in the egg or whatever, that twin kind of got engulfed in the other twin's abdomen. So then they sliced the person open and there was like a little dead twin inside the fucking person's stomach. And you see the little little dead, it's like a little dead baby twin inside the fucking person's stomach. All that gross fucking weird growths like you know like pimple poppers you know, there was like a thing where people were watching people cut open cysts you know slicing open cysts and pimples and all those gross growth things oh, they give me the fucking willies man they're disgusting and that is just creepy as shit like you got a tumor Think about that, like a seven ounce tumor in your jaw, and inside that growing is 526 teeth, like a whole other, you know, ugh. Ugh. poor little kid though, cute little kid, he's just like, what, there's a picture of him, he's like, I don't know, what the fuck, it just, it just, you know, it wasn't my fault, so I, you know, kind of feel, feel, I feel mean saying that, but that's absolutely disgusting, so... Anyways, that was kind of interesting to me. And, uh, you know, whatever you can do to keep yourself uh, preoccupied from all the uh, violence in the world. I'm telling you, like when you read through the paper, it's just nothing but violence, killings. I don't know if it's the summer heat that draws that out of people, the summertime stupidness, stupidity. I don't know what it is, but, you know, you try your best to stay focused and out of that world of ugliness. And something that I did this past long weekend was um, I went down to the lake. Yes, I took a nice, peaceful walk down to the lake. Um, Toronto, Canada has a beautiful lakefront, the Lake Ontario. So I strolled down to the lake, sat on a bench, Stared out at the calm blue lake, chilled out, read a book. Later on, too, I went and I uh, went to a park, sat on a bench, enjoyed the rustling of the leaves, the wind, you know, and I saw like a wholesome group of friends, saw a real fun young group of friends, like, you know, maybe mid-twenties or something. Cool little group of friends, and they were just so wholesome. You know, they brought a picnic basket. They had a fucking picnic basket. You know, and they had, like, the little croquet set. They were playing croquet. You know, when you put those little hoops on the lawn and you try to hit a ball through the little hoop with a croquet mallet... These idiots were playing croquet, and they were just so wholesome, and they're chuckling and guffawing and giggling and having fun with each other. Real wholesome type, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, wow, like, just so wholesome. Like, the type of people that, like, you know, they're going to split a six-pack amongst the seven of them, right? Like, just real fucking swell kids, and I'm looking at them, and I'm like, sometimes I yearn for that, because it's like, like I mentioned with that mass killer, you know? These mass killers that seek attention and notoriety, fame for the evil deeds that they commit, like these mass killers, or even, as I mentioned, uh, performers, you know, or even athletes, or people of business influence. When the ego is out of check and you want attention that is beyond a normal level, beyond the normal, respectable level of just your friends and peers and colleagues. You want all this astronomical levels of attention. It makes you wonder why. Because the real gist of it 
is getting down with your friends and family. That's the, what the real deal is. And I'm looking at these bozos playing croquet, and I'm like, look how happy they are, and look how free they are. That's what you really want, ideally, in life. What do you want, to be swarmed by a mob of screaming fans? Oh my god, it's the Beatles! Like, sure, that would be cool. And maybe I'm speaking too soon. <laughs> Actually, never mind what I just said. I want to be fucking mega famous. Screaming fans. Oh my god. But the simple things in life is what I'm saying. It all comes down to. You know, is that going to keep you warm at night? You know, you could be alone in a sea of people if you don't have the real shit around you. And uh, those little dorks kind of taught me that, reminded me of that. It was a nice little reminder. Um, saw a couple smoking a joint. Yeah, this young couple. They looked like they were 19, sitting on a bench, blasting their trap music. You know, if you ever heard what, you want, you don't want to know what trap music is? As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, like all these little fake little ploys to get people's money who want to be in a performing industry. Trap music. That sounds so like, um, oh, it's a genre of music. All it is is hip-hop rap music with the 16-note riding cymbal. Oh, it's trap music. <laughs> hey, yo. Walked in the crib and Oh, it's trap music. <laughs> just, a, just, just, that's all it is. It's just like the, the presence, the presence of like a 16 note riding cymbal. Or whatever, like it's just stupid. But anyway, they're they're blasting their trap music, and um, they're smoking a joint. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my god, how long does it take to puff a J? Nowadays, man, you fucking just smoke the damn joint. They they smoked it. It was this little tiny pinner they had rolled up, and it, it took them like half an hour to smoke this fucking thing. Every now and then, I get a whiff of fucking. Blast of this stank weed, too. It was like shit weed, too. You could totally tell. It was like some fucking hydroponic shit or something. It just smelled horrible. And I'm like, what the fuck? What is this rag weed that you're smoking, right? Kind of annoyed me. It's just like, number one, when you're smoking weed in public, I don't get why people want to draw attention to themselves. Whenever I smoked weed in the public back in the day, I just sneak off to a secluded little corner, puff a joint, and then go about my day. I'm not just going to sprawl out in front of families and people and dogs and kids, sprawl out on a lawn and just start smoking on a joint. It's it's just rude and disruptive and weird. Like you're doing drugs in public. You know, you're getting intoxicated in public. That's what you're doing and you're drawing attention to yourself. So, I don't know, this stupid couple... You know, they're just puffing on this ragweed. Took them forever to smoke it. And it had me grumbling a little bit. Because like I said, I'm a cantankerous, sober janitor. I don't want to be around this shit, right? I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway, your stupid trap music. It's such a beautiful, peaceful day. Why do you have to, bl- you know, you're... Ugh, anyway, whatever. I'm sounding like an old man or something, but... I don't know. <laughs> I just love nature and shit, you know what I mean? And then I saw this other OCD patient, some fucking mentally deranged homeless man or something. He was pitching a tent. And no, I don't mean he was getting aroused. I don't mean he was getting a boner. He was like literally pitching a tent. He had like a... I guess he had brought his own tent to the park. I guess this is his diluted version of camping. He's like putting together this tent... And he's struggling to build this tent, and he builds a tent. And it took him like half an hour to build this tent. He took his shirt off, sat in the tent for a minute. He literally took his shirt off, sat in the tent for like two minutes, drank a beer. Then he disbanded the tent. 
It's like you, you put all this effort into building a tent and then you just take it down. But then all of a sudden it got me thinking, like, well, I do understand, like, there's something that happens when you become a man where it's like you just want to fuck around with shit. Like, you're always wanting to fix things. You ever notice that? Like, that's one thing I noticed now that I'm, like, in my 30s. Like, I'm 32. Something happened where all of a sudden, like, I'm, like, I'm obsessed with fixing things. I'm like, hmm, yeah, I want to build this. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to adjust this over here. And I'm, I'm, I'm at home. And I'm, like, tinkering with shit and always trying to, like, what, who gives a fuck? I don't know, something about being a man. Same thing with, like, women. Like, they do stupid shit, too. Like, where, like, I was noticing, like, this woman, she had her nails painted up. You know, all these colorful nails. And it's like, yo, when was the last time you ever gave a fuck about a woman's fingernails? You know? Wow. Check out the fucking nail job on that one. Look at the scratchers on that one. Ooh. Nimble. Like, who gives a fuck? You know, so that's, you know, it makes her feel like a woman. It makes us feel like a man fucking around with shit. Oh, I'm going to fix this filing cabinet. You got your little screwdriver out and you're fucking twiddling with it. Like, you know, it makes you feel like a man. So then, you know, women with their stupid nail polish, I guess it makes her feel good or whatever. As if I give a fuck, right? But because you would have think that the only reason to do your nails up like that is to attract, you know, a spouse. Like, oh, I get the, this is going to drive the boys crazy. Actually, no, I don't care who's looking at them. But anyway. So, that's my. those are my thoughts while I'm sitting on a bench in a park. And, um, but hey, yo, if you want something that's gender neutral, you know, if it's a little too much for you, oh, men and they're always fixing things, or oh, women and their nails. If you want something gender gender neutral, I got it. Hammock. Get yourself a gender-neutral hammock. That is something that you don't look manly or feminine in. You just look weird. But it looks so fucking comfortable, man. I saw this dude in a hammock, right? I'm like, that is disco. I want a fucking hammock. What the fuck? That's what I need in my life. This guy looks so happy. I'm like, really? I need a hammock. He just took a... Like, he brought his own hammock from home. Genius. Because I thought, like, the only way to get a hammock is you have to buy a house. Because where else are you going to find two trees where you can tie a little bed sheet between and lay in, right? I'm like, well, I have to buy a house if I want that. My hammock dreams are over. But then I saw this homeless guy. He made a hammock in the park. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even think about that. You could string up a hammock in the park. So that's my next step in life. I want to get a hammock, go to the park, stare at people's nail polish, you know? Goals, goals of happiness in my life, you know? And that's well within my reach. And, um, you know... Gotta stay positive in these times during um, negativity, you know? I mean, it just becomes enough after a while when you hear all these things about these mass shootings and... I don't know, I just really kind of... Maybe that's what was in the air because I definitely had kind of heavy tone to me the last couple days, right? And I guess I'm also trying to make some changes, some big changes, some big changes in, you know, accepting challenge, rising to the challenge, you know what I mean? Because we got to rise to a challenge, number one, in society in general. I mean, if it's for any worth, let me put it out there, we just got to be better people to one another. That's it. We got to be better people to one another. Stop with the semantics of blah, 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 gun law, deadly, deadly, duh. Yo, if it makes sense for the people, let it make sense for the people. Let us not shoot one another for no fucking stupid reason. Let's treat each other with respect. And number two, that's a heavy-handed thing. I mean, I can't control that. We either do it or we don't. But for myself, it's like I'm trying to rise to challenges, you know? That's the next thing for me at the moment. Because, as I mentioned, I got my hands in the cookie jar. I'm trying to be a stand-up comic. Well, I am I am a stand-up comic. I am an actor. But I'm trying to go further. And um, as there are no outstretched hands for help, because that's just the nature of the game. You got to do it for yourself. So rather than being deterred and looking at these challenges as... Um, a setback, 
I'm really trying to look at my challenges as opportunities. I'm really trying to step up my game to challenges because when you embrace your your challenges, you grow. So that's what I'm trying to do, embrace my challenges so I can grow. And um, yes, feel very hopeful, optimistic, happy, hallelujah, alive. And I'm just trying to rock with that for now. And um, my hearts and prayers are for all the people suffering out there this week. Because it seems like it's been a tough one. And uh, going forward, just trying to keep it together one day at a time. And be grateful for the time. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtrin. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent August 7th in the year of our Lord, 2019. If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, hit me up at podcast at gmail.com. Kind of a... Uh, in- uh, kind of a heavy one, kind of a thoughtful, ins- insightful. I don't want to call it insightful. I mean, you can't get any more arrogant that than that. I'm insightful, but kind of a thoughtful podcast, I would say. Definitely had a thoughtful vibe to it. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to hit me up with any questions, queries, or qualms, any insight. How do you rise to your challenges? How do you feel about the challenges of society in this day and age? Seems kind of dire. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. I peace. <laughs>